Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Do you bleed green? Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. <laughs> This is Birds 365, hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. And here we go, here we go! Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50 plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack and join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go. Let's go. Go. And a good football Friday birthday. The countdown is truly on. We are past days. We are now down to hours. There are just uh, 56 hours, 56 and a half, if they kick it off at 6.30 like they're supposed to <laughs> on Super Sunday. It is a Super Football Friday here on Birds 365. As you can tell, that's John, not John McMullen with a good tan. That would be Tone uh, filling in for Johnny Mac today. Tone DeShields, our producer, and fill-in host when we need him, when we need him today, because Johnny Mac is winging his way out to Arizona to cover Super Bowl 57. Tone, you already had duties with Carr this morning. Are you ready to rock for two hours here today on Birds 365? Oh, J-Mac, I am primed and ready to go. As always, I always tell you, man, I'm always privileged to work with you, my man. Um, You're a legend in this business. You've been grinding for a long time. So, listen, I'm just following your lead, big dog. Very good. All right, first things first. Uh, You were there. I was prepping. Uh, Mr. Kerr, I assume, is picking the Philadelphia Eagles. Is that correct? Uh yes he is um he actually didn't give me a score prediction now that didn't I give it. how did you let him get away without giving you a score I have, on the no, game? I have no idea it was early in the weekend I think he was still mulling over it it was a Monday last he time hadn't I made saw up him. his mind yet he's he's hedging all the way to kick off his our boy Jeff Kerr you know he's an Eagles guy but you know he loves Andy Reid and those Chiefs man so um I know he believe I I know one thing I do know for a fact he knows it's going to be close he knows it's going to be close but um I kind of beg to differ a little bit. You think it's not going to be close? All right. Uh, well, we not got... as not as close as he has it, but okay. I think it's going to be a a, a a nice little score for us. We've got we've got two hours to get to uh, our predictions on the score yesterday. For those of you who missed the uh, end of the show, I needed Johnny Mac to get on the record since he was flying out today, 
and he thinks Eagles are going to win 31 to 27. So a high scoring and competitive game that the Eagles will find a way to win. High scoring is a pretty good number. They've been putting up 30 points a game. So uh, I'm leaning toward them scoring 30 points in this game as well. How close is it? Will it be? We'll tell you over the, the next two hours. And we got two good guests joining us, guys who've been uh, good, solid contributors all year long on Birds 365. Tommy Longer, Lola, longtime Eagles beat guy who now has got his own Eagles blog called Eagles, I G G L E S Blitz. Uh, Tommy's going to hop on in the next 15 minutes or so. And a little bit later, a uh, special thanks to our bud, Chris Franklin who has been our Monday guy for the most of the year, day after when the Eagles play on Sundays, uh, jumping in with us uh, on Mondays. This week, we're tapping into, into him on a Friday because Monday was already out in Arizona. So he said, I can do Friday because there's no availability. The teams are hunkered down. They're getting ready for the big game. Uh, so despite the fact that he is two hours, that's Arizona is two hours in front of it. In case you're figuring it out this weekend, in case you're getting on a plane and I saw some um, Twitter stuff, uh, social media stuff, shots of the airport. Oh, there is a packed Philadelphia International Airport today because people are still I flying out to it. Arizona for the game. Um, so if uh, you're setting your watch, waiting online to get on a plane, you got to put it uh, two hours back when you get there because they are in uh, Rocky Mountain time zone right now in Arizona. So, uh, yes, the Eagles have been out there all week long doing the preparation, doing the interviews. Uh, I'm sure you've seen a bunch tone. Uh, I'll say what I said, shoot, as early as Monday because they've been out there long enough. Um, this team looks ready. It looks focused, although there are only a handful of guys who have been to the Super Bowl before. They're now two games into their playoff uh, preparation lives, having won easily over both the Giants and the 49ers. I do not think this team looks like one that will wilt under the biggest of spotlights, a.k.a. the Super Bowl. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more, Jody. You know, like you said, they have a few guys, especially on that line of scrimmage that have done this before. They've been here before. They understand what it takes. They understand what goes into it. And they understand how you can get easily distracted by all the glitz and glam and uh, all the different people. It could be the food. It could be the women. It could be the interviews. All the people who want to get in your pocket. All the people who want you to invest in their startup companies. You know, it's it's so it's so so many distractions out there. But like you said, I think this team is built for it. And it always starts at the top. Right. Um, a guy like Jalen Hurts, a young guy who's played in big games before, you know, national championships, you know, SEC championships. He has that big game experience. Now, obviously, the Super Bowl is a different monster, a different type of media coverage. But again, he's so even killed. He's so steady. This team follows him wherever he goes. They go as he go. And if, if he's confident, if he's if he's relaxed, I think this team will be as well. Do I think Jalen Hurts is more prepared for this game than, say, Reed Blankenship, who didn't play in any major college football games compared to a right. national championship game. Oh, yeah, he, he's more prepared than Reed. But even the national collegiate championship game, it doesn't compare to the Super Bowl. There's nothing that compares to the Super Bowl. It's a two-week buildup. And, yeah, there's a buildup to the college football championship as well. But uh, we know what the television numbers are for the college championship. And we know what the ratings numbers are for the Super Bowl. It's just it's an animal unto itself until you've done it. You haven't done it. And I heard Sirianni yesterday talk about what the guys who were here on the Super Bowl winning team five years ago were uh, able to uh, impart on those who haven't been. 
And he said their knowledge has been invaluable because I think there is something to Super Bowl experience. It's one of the very few areas where I do believe the uh, Kansas City Chiefs actually have a little bit of an edge on the Eagles because they've got a bunch of guys who, because they've been to two of the last three Super Bowls, uh, they, they do have an experience edge in this game. But I don't know that it's going to be enough to lift the Chiefs to to a Super Bowl. How about you? Yeah, you know, I I respect experience. It's something you have to pay attention to. But at the same time, I try not to put all my stock into it because remember, Super Bowl 52, that roster had no Super Bowl experience. That had coach Doug Peterson, no Super Bowl experience. And they compared to the Patriots over and over and over again. (laughs) Right, right. They are right. They are a legacy, right? They've they've been there. They they live in the Super Bowl. As a matter of fact, they have a residency uh, in the Super Bowl, right? Um, And Doug Peterson and those guys just played their brand of football. And, and, you know, that's what stood out, right? Doug Peterson did not strike straight away from who he was. Um, You know, one play call that obviously is historic and legendary in Philadelphia and in Super Bowl lore is the Philly Philly play call. And we saw what went into that. Um, And i got to give credit to Doug Peterson for not only trusting his quarterback, but just having the full post of that game. And I think more than anything, your situational play calling and your feel for the game is going to compare them out to – um, your experience. Doug Peterson just navigated that game perfectly. Um, not not one misstep. That was one of those games where if you had one hiccup, you probably would lose that game. Um, but he just managed to navigate it and he called the right players at the right time and trusted his players. And Nick Sirianni, to me, throughout the season has shown me that he has a strong feel for the game. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but or if you've seen anything different, I haven't seen Nick Sirianni make a situational football uh, mistake I haven't seen him make a clock mistake, a clock error, or or error with his timeouts. Um, yes, he's a over. Yes, he's a uh, an ambitious guy, and, and you know he's a he's a loud guy, a rambunctious guy, right? He gets excited, but I feel like at times, man, you know that that persona we see, I feel like people forget that there's a football mind in there, and I just think that Nick Sirianni is going to remain consistent, and be who he was, or be be who he has been. You know, go forward on fourth down when it's you know when it's fourth and short. Um, be aggressive on third down. Um, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm only going to take experience, but so far it matters, but not as much as a lot of other people would like to make it. And that, uh, even though the experience edge goes to Kansas City, you're right. It doesn't have to be the definitive edge. Right. And it's the Philadelphia Eagles have, sorry to say Andy Reid, and I will quote my usual partner, John McMullen here, cause he's the first one I ever heard use the term. It's better to be a CEO coach. To If you have faith in guys to call plays on both the offensive side and the defensive side, and you can just oversee an entire game, it lends itself to not making the mistakes that you referenced. And although Andy Reid is going to the Hall of Fame and uh, Philadelphia is indebted to Andy Reid for putting some football tenants into the organization that are still very present today in this team that's now in the Super Bowl. Every once in a while, he'll let one slip through the cracks on game day because he is so buried in that uh, piece of plastic in front of his face calling plays that something slips by him. So I do think that's an advantage for Nick Sirianni going in today. All right, uh, we got Tommy Lawler coming up in in about 10 minutes from now. But I do want to get this in here to the first segment. Did you watch last night's NFL football honors show? (sighs) I saw clips from it. I didn't really lock. I'll be honest. Okay. I, I didn't really lock in too much. I was busy preparing for today. You know, sometimes I, I, I like to spend my evenings preparing for the next day. So, um, I mean, I knew I knew no Eagles were going to come away with anything. Obviously, Patrick Mahomes won the MVP and Nick Bosa, defensive player of the year. 
so on and so forth. Um, I didn't quite see who won Coach of the Year, though. Uh, Jody, can you enlighten me on that? And yeah. Let me know what happened? Yeah. Uh, it was actually, at least this man's opinion, a very well produced show. It was a it was a really good watch if you're you're a football fan, okay. and it's Thursday night before the Super Bowl. What do you want to watch? SBU reruns? No, of <laughs> course you're gonna watch the NFL Honor Show. No team with a yes, good time, Jody. No team with a good time. I love a good old SBU episode. Uh, I'm a big Mariska Hargitay fan, but sorry, likewise, the NFL Honor Show was on. Um, yeah, the Eagles got slighted, and and we talked about this a lot uh, this week on the show that the Eagles. And their fan base have to adjust to being the actual favorite in the game. They're the better team. They've got the better roster. That's why they're a point and a half favorite in this game. And nobody loves an underdog better than Philadelphia. But they're not the underdog in this game. But if you have to create that in your own mind to get the proper motivation for an upcoming game, yeah, they got slighted last night. Um, Brian Dayball won coach of the year. And Dayball did a great job. I'm not yeah. going to badmouth Brian Dayball at all here today. And the playoff Eagle win over the Giants has no effect whatsoever on Coach of the Year because it's a regular season award. And during the regular season, the Eagles beat the Giants twice. But somehow, Brian Dayball won Coach of the Year over Nick Sirianni. His team was so bad. It all depends on how you factor in. If you've got a vote, 50 guys vote, um, and Dayball won the award. If you think he elevated his team more, if you thought the Giants were going to win three games and he ended up uh, or losing uh, 14 games because they had a tie in there, which kind of right. throws the math off. Um, and they ended up winning nine and only losing uh, six. Well, then you can make the argument. And if you believe the Eagles were going to win, let's say 11 or 12, and they ended up winning 14. Well, that was only two better. So there's a way that you can make the argument. I thought Sirianni did a better job than Dayball, and maybe I am affected by the fact that the Eagles just smashed the Giants in the playoffs, which the vote had already been taken by that. But yeah, they got slighted a little bit there. Brandon Graham wasn't one of the three finalists for comeback player of the year. I think that's a travesty and a joke. Uh, Saquon Barkley and Christian McCaffrey were two of the finalists. Now, uh, in on social media, I've seen a bunch of people comment on the fact that Geno Smith didn't deserve it because he came back from not being good <laughs> right. uh, rather than being injured. There, there, there's no definition there that says it must be someone returning from an injury. I didn't have a problem with Geno Smith winning. I think BG should have been in the final three rather than one of those two running backs. If you ask me, those are the four guys put Graham in the list. Where would you vote for? I would be Geno Smith one, Brandon Graham two. So I would have had him ahead of either of those two re somewhat recovering from injury running backs. Yeah. But that's just another slight slight if you want to go there. Hassan Reddick didn't even make the final three of defensive player of the year, which I don't necessarily agree with. I thought he should have been in the top three. Chris Jones, least. who they'll be facing off against on Sunday, was in the final. Uh, he didn't get the award either. But there, there was some sliding of the Eagles. But one thing I definitely want to get in here to the first segment is, uh, and this is a Philly thing, and that's a big phrase that everybody's like throwing, there. Like throwing it there. around this week. I know he did not play for the Philadelphia Eagles. So some people, it's not, a, it's not a Philly thing. Yeah, it is. It's a Philly thing. It might not be an Eagle thing, but it's a Philly thing. Last night, Joe Klecko was officially elected to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. A wow. Philadelphia star as a high school player, a Temple Owl 
who went to the New York Jets and still to this day is the only player to make the Pro Bowl at three different positions, defensive tackle, nose tackle, and defensive end. I've been on the Joe Klecko deserves to be in the Hall of Fame bandwagon for 30 years. 30 years I've been pushing for Joe Klecko. Well, maybe not 30, 25, 20. Uh, I believe he deserved to be there, and he got in via the senior committee vote last night. Uh, he is one of my all-time favorite players. He might be my favorite player in the history uh, of the National Football League. And, yeah, he's and a Jet, Jody, of course. He was a Jet, and I watched him play. I went to the game where he came back as a member of the Colts in his last season and faced off against the Jets and went over to the tunnel. He left the game injured. And we were down on the first level, so we ran around to the tunnel to give Joe a standing ovation as he limped back into the cult locker room. We got hurt in the game against the Jets. Wow. Uh, and I got to hang at his bar down in Wilmington, Delaware. I've been a huge Joe Klecko fan myself. Uh, I've uh, lobbied Paul Domowicz, who is the Philadelphia voter. And he votes. He, he gives his speeches. He does his influence thing, mostly for the Eagles. But he did so for Klecko as well because, again, he's a Philly guy. And another one who has been joining me in this push for the last 25, 30 years has been Ray Dinger. And if you're aligning yourself with Ray Dinger, who went to the same high school that Joe Klecko went to, you know you're aligning yourself with one of the most knowledgeable football guys uh, in uh, the history of uh, coverage of the National Football League. So I just wanted to get that in here in segment number one. Congratulations and a much-deserved honor to an all-time great from Philadelphia Joe Klecko, one of nine elected last night into the Pro Bowl. Awesome. Hall awesome. Right, he is uh, Tone to Shields. He is with me today in for John McMullen. We've got oh, an hour and 40 minutes left to continue to break down Super Bowl 57 between the Eagles and the Chiefs. Should be a good one come Sunday. Up next, we're going to get Tommy Lawler, longtime Eagles beat writer. Uh, has his own Eagles blog now, eaglesblitz.com. Uh, Tommy's going to jump in with us, help us preview F Super Bowl 57 next here on Birds 365. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Go for the beers, go for the cheers, go for the hit and the hits, go for the scene, go for the screens, go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. We all know that taxes are just part of life. It's true during our working years, but also in retirement. But what you might not know is up to 85% of your Social Security benefits might be taxed. Our team at Thrive Financial has helped retire thousands of people across the Delaware Valley by asking questions they never knew they needed to ask. 
including how their Social Security benefits might be taxed. It's time to be proactive on taxes. Get your Thrive Retirement Tax Playbook today. Jeff D'Ambrosio doesn't need a special event to appreciate his customers. Jeff shows his appreciation to them every day of the year. Jeff makes sure to stock more new inventory than anyone and guarantees prices and payments that nobody can beat. There are so many reasons that thousands of customers know Jeff is the easy, friendly place to do business. More for their trades. No judgment zone for credit issues. The best, most reliable service department in the country. That's why I like Jeff, and I know you will too. Jeff will satisfy you every day. Jeff D'Ambrosio, Destination Downingtown, owner appreciation event. Post game show with Seth Joyner. I knew that they had a running game. Derek Gunn. He has put in the effort. Devin Caney. Had we not won the Super Bowl, what would we be saying? And Mike Missanelli. Well, you know how Philly is. Post game, now streaming on the 6ABC family of apps. Why do millions of people every year from around the world visit Philly's Rocky statue? You want to tell me the sky is burgundy with green stripes and yellow polka dots? I'll meet you on that. But you're never going to convince me Rocky is anything other than the pure greatness that it is. Never going to happen. Join me, Paul Farber, for WHYY's The Statue. We're going on a journey to explore the biography of the Rocky statue. Find us wherever you get your podcasts. Appreciate you streaming on this Super Football Friday, the Birds 365 here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Tone to Shields in for Johnny Mac with me, Jody Mac here on uh, Birds 365. And we're joined by Tommy Lawler, longtime Eagle Beat reporter, now blogger for EagleBlitz.com. Tommy, how's it feel to be the guy who's following the team that is favored in the Super Bowl? It's not a status that the Eagles are really used to. It is very strange, you know, as, as an Eagles fan or an Eagles follower, you're used to this team being the underdog and having circumstances against them. And it's, it's strange for them to be favored to win the game, to get a lot of positive anal- analysis. They have the, the better roster and uh, it's, it's, it's an interesting vantage point. And, you know, Jalen Hurts is going to be here for a while. Nick Sirianni is going to be here for a while. Maybe this is something that'll be a, a part of the future as well. Yeah. You know, Tommy, you've covered this game. You've covered this team. Uh, for a long time and you know you've lived through many different eras many different head coaches many different quarterbacks and you've got to see them up close and personal does this have an opportunity to be maybe the greatest era of eagles football that we've seen oh absolutely absolutely yeah hurts is is a special guy right he's a good quarterback but he's even a better person and that leadership i mean that's one of the things that made tom brady so special was when Tom Brady, you know, he was a, a great quarterback, but he also, he and the coach were locked in sync as to how they wanted things done, how demanding they were of players, the the vibe, the culture they put out, the focus on winning, put your check your ego at the door, this is all about winning, and Hurts is completely into that. And that, if, if the best player on the team, the leader of the team, if he sets that tone, other guys are going to fall into line with that. And that's why, you know, you saw Stephon Diggs going nuts up in Buffalo when he didn't catch balls in the playoff game. You know, you saw A.J. Brown a little uh, frustrated on the sideline, but it went away in a couple of minutes, right? It was a, a small thing. Guys here are focused on winning, and as long as you have Sirianni and you have Jalen Hurts as the leaders, I think that mentality is going to stay in place. 
Tommy, let's continue on with Hertz. Um, if we're narrow focusing, and it's one of the things that he does best, his ability to narrow focus. If we do that with Deagle's quarterback, and we're honest with ourselves, we can say he hasn't had a Jalen Hurts MVP level like performance since he went down on that shoulder in Chicago. The Eagles won games. He's still undefeated since he came back, went in the giant final, and then the two playoff games. But he didn't need to be that type of a player, put up those type of a numbers, make those type of plays, because the games went the way they did. Let's say Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes, and he has a magical day tomorrow and does things we don't expect him to do against his very good Eagle defense, but he does because he's just that good. Can Jalen Hurts match him? Is Jalen's Hurts shoulder good enough for him to go mano a mano, punch for punch with the MVP of the National Football League? I think he is. I think he is. And part of that is because Kansas City is a solid defense, but Kansas City is not the Niners. They don't have Nick Bosa and Fred Warner. And when you went back and rewatched the NFC Championship, I was incredibly impressed by how well San Francisco covered that secondary, there were just not open receivers uh, on a regular basis in that game. And uh, so he did not have a lot of easy plays to make. The plays were down the field. Well, that really stressed his shoulder throwing the ball down the field. Uh, now his shoulder is going to be two weeks healthier. He's not. He's going to play a, a secondary that's got four rookies of the top six defensive backs they play, I think. And so there's going to be chances for him to make plays against this group. Uh, if the Chiefs... They have a uh, they've struggled against number one receivers. AJ Brown very clearly is a number one receiver, so AJ Brown is going to have a chance to make plays. And so, uh, I think Jalen is, is he's not had his A game in a while. There's no question about it. But I think he is absolutely capable of de- delivering a big performance tomorrow. And I do think part of his A game tomorrow is going to be running the ball. There, there's no uh, need to keep him healthy for next week. Tomorrow's it, or I say tomorrow Sunday. Sunday's it. And so they're going to turn him loose and do everything they can to come up with plays to win this game. So I expect Jalen to have a good performance and do enough to uh, to get us into the victory. Yeah, you know, Tommy, even though Jalen hasn't really had the most stellar playoff run, I still like to give him a little bit more credit for that Giants performance because they, they, they blew the doors off him pretty early, right? I mean, sure. uh, two touchdown passes, a touchdown run, three total touchdowns, no turnovers, completed 66% of his passes, a pretty efficient game, um, nothing to – right home about, but efficient and serviceable. And then the San Fran game, uh, you kind of had, like you said, no one was really open and there was still a struggle there. They had the opportunity of turnovers and short fields. They took advantage. That's the reality. But I feel like what doesn't get talked about enough with Jalen Hurts is maybe the intangibles that impacts the field, right? Um, Not just his leadership, not just his confidence and his trust in his teammates, but his ability to just manipulate you know, run lanes and manipulate the front seven to essentially doing what he wants them to do, right? Can you speak on just the impact of Jalen Hurts' play style with that RPO and zone and zone run scheme and how he's able to just manipulate defenses and how that could potentially play a role in this Super Bowl? I've been watching football for a long time, and I've never seen a year where defensive players weren't sure what to do the way that they have struggled against the Eagles this year. Uh, there was a game against Jacksonville earlier and one of the Jacksonville linebackers looked so frustrated after a play because he wasn't sure what to do. And so the, the what the Eagles have with the, the RPOs they use and with Jalen Hurts, they put you in a bind where even if you're right, you can be wrong. So if the linebacker 
comes to the gap that he's supposed to to shut down a run, he's going to leave a void in the pass defense. And so they, they get these guys. You, you know, you watched last week. Fred Warner is the best linebacker in football. And there's multiple plays when Fred Warner stood still, like he might as well have been in a phone booth, stared, <laughs> and did nothing. Fred, I could have been Fred Warner. And trust me, I'm not the best linebacker. In football. <laughs> uh, and, and, and he literally, it's, so it's a combination of the scheme and Jalen Hurts' ability to execute the scheme. Because all you got to do is go back and watch, watch the Green Bay game. You know, if you don't account for his running, he'll run for 150 yards and he'll, he'll crunch off 20, 30, 40 yard runs. And when he gets out in the open field, he just glides gets out there as soon as somebody comes up he'll either go down and get out of bounds protect himself he's smart so he's a smart player he executes the scheme well he executes the fakes well he's able to throw the ball on their short throws out into the flat to the tight end or if he's throwing slants to aj over the middle he's really accurate on those throws he may one of the biggest weapons that jalen hurts has is his ability as a decision maker you know, so often we think of a quarterback and how do they read defenses and process plays within the pocket. And we talk about a three-step drop, a five-step drop and reading the defense. Well, an RPO, you have to read the defense to make three or four decisions in a matter of two seconds. And he does that. And he's wrong occasionally, you know, much as we don't want to admit it, he's a human being, right? But generally speaking, he makes the right decision and whatever he does, the team is then able to execute that play and move the football. And that's where you see these linebackers standing there angry. You know, Micah Parsons unblocked in that first Dallas game. Who would have ever thought that the way to attack one of the best defensive players in the league is not to touch him? You know, you have, you have Fred Warner, the best linebacker in football, standing still while Miles Sanders runs up the middle of the field for a touchdown. This team does things to defensive uh, defenses that I've just never seen before. Tommy, a lot has been made this week, and understandably so, about uh, Andy Reid as the Kansas City Chiefs coach against his former team, the Philadelphia Eagles. And we are on Bird 365 have certainly given Andy credit for putting some of the football beliefs and tenets into the Eagles organization, which are still present today, build it from the lines out and his dedication to the trenches and, and all that. And uh, giving him credit is only just due. But it's been a couple of years since Andy's been in town. And despite the fact that another ongoing story is he fired Nick Sirianni. No, he just didn't bring Nick Sirianni back from a team that was two and 14. Really? You're going to bring him back? Um, is the whole tie between Andy Reid and the Philadelphia Eagles been overstated this week? It could never be obliterated, but does it have a major effect on this game this Sunday between this Kansas City Chief team coached by Andy Reid, who's a different coach than the one who was here in Philadelphia, and this Philadelphia team, which has yeah, an owner and a general manager he's pretty familiar with, but not too many players and nobody on the coaching staff other than that one meeting before he told Nick his services weren't rendered, uh, weren't needed. Is is there an acknowledged advantage between either the Eagles uh, knowing Andy Reid or Andy Reid knowing the Philadelphia Eagles, or has that just been overstated on all fronts? There, I mean, the tie is, is legit and, and is really fascinating. I don't think it's going to affect this game. He doesn't know this team. You know, he knows Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox, and Jason Kills. He has three players, right? Those are three guys that, that he coached and spent some time with. That's it. But the foundation he laid, and and, and think about it. When Andy Reid was hired, um, the whole world wanted Mike Holmgren. That's the guy that everybody – that was the number one coaching candidate in the league. That's the guy everybody wanted. And 
Mike Holmgren ended up going to Seattle. And then there was Jim Hazlitt, who was the defensive coordinator for the Steelers. And everybody thought Tom Modrak was going to bring Jim Hazlitt in to coach the Eagles. And instead, the Eagles rolled the dice on this goofy coach from uh, Green Bay that not a lot of people knew. So they took a chance on Andy Reid. And if you think about it, with the fact they took a chance and then they had success with him, that led to them taking a chance on Chip Kelly, taking a chance on Nick Sirianni. So the fact that Andy Reid was successful and did some of the things that it has helped create the situation that we have now. If they don't, if they hire Jim Hazlitt and the Eagles have a period of Jim Hazlitt for five years and go to a couple of wild card games, have a nine and seven record a couple of years, they weren't going to turn into the same thing they did with Reed, where they were an NFC championship machine and really de- they, they were one of the best teams of the, of the two thousands. Um, if they don't have that success with Andy Reed, then Nick Sirianni is never the coach of the Eagles. So mm-hmm. by Andy doing the things he did, he taught them to take chances and to be aggressive and to, to, to do certain things. And the, it's funny that Andy could lose a Super Bowl to the team that he kind of created in a long distance way. It's almost like he's the, the grandfather of this team or something <laughs> like that. Right. You know, he's, he's somebody that he, he has an effect on this team, but yeah, he doesn't know these, you know, he's never coached Hassan Reddick. He's never coached AJ Brown, these guys like that. So uh, it's not like he's going to have some knowledge, but it is funny that they could end up beating him with some of the ideas that he brought to town. That's true. Yeah. You know, Andy has been a guy who, has had a very interesting relationship with Philadelphia because with all that success, you know, people still had their questions and or concerns about his, maybe his situational play calling or his clock management. You know, there were moments throughout his tenure in Philadelphia where people scratched their heads about why he made certain decisions or how he made the mistake that he made. Right. And I'm curious to know if that's something that still has followed him, you know, to Kansas City and something that could potentially affect him in this Super Bowl. You know, let me add this in as well. Nick Sirianni, a young head coach who doesn't have as much experience as a guy like Andy Reid, but I haven't seen Nick Sirianni make too many. And I've spoken to, and I've spoken to Jody about this. I haven't I haven't seen Nick Sirianni make too many errors, in-game errors such as clock management or timeout management or just misreading a situation. I haven't really seen Nick Sirianni make those kind of errors. Um, as passionate and as emboldened as he is on the sideline, he seems to be very in tune with the pulse of the game. You know, um, is there any advantage to that? You know, having the full pulse of the game and, you know, is there any way the Eagles can exploit Andy Reid um, knowing that he's prone to make those kind of mistakes? Well, I think Nick Sirianni, you can make an argument that he's the best game day coach in the league right now. Interesting. Uh, going, going forward on fourth downs, challenging, uh, knowing when to challenge plays, uh, saving his timeouts, clock management. He does a fantastic job. He really does. And, and if you look at the analytics and and you see the impact that his fourth down decisions have, he puts the Eagles in a better advantage than any other coach in the league just by his game day decisions. So uh, I think he's done a masterful job. And it's so interesting. Andy Reid is, is a phenomenal coach. He's going to go to the Hall of Fame. But one of Andy's weaknesses was his stubborn streak. And real quickly last year, we saw that Nick Sirianni was not going to be that same kind of guy because he gave up play calling halfway through his rookie season. <clears throat> Andy Reid didn't want to give up play calling in, in year six or eight. You know, he still, that was his thing. He wanted to do it. And Nick Sirianni, is, is, his ability to learn and adapt to changing circumstances has really been impressive. He is, I know he's a second year coach, but just like Jalen Hurts is 24 years old and he acts like he's 37. 
Nick Sirianni does not act like a second-year coach. He makes decisions at a highly advanced level. And so I've been very impressed by that. I don't know that there's a way for the Eagles to take advantage of Andy Reid so much as they can benefit if he Uh does make some Andy Reid decisions. And he still has his moments. You know, Patrick Mahomes gets on TV a lot, right? So we see him on Thursday night, Sunday night, Monday night. So you can't help but take in some Chiefs games. Andy's better at game day management than he used to be. Uh, but he still has moments when you're watching Kansas City and you're like, why did he do? Why did he call that timeout? Why did he make that decision? So it's still part of his DNA, but it's not as bad as it was in Philadelphia. And he has Tom, gotten better at that stuff. Tommy, let me ask you this because I've asked everyone we've had on the show for weeks now, and uh, there are always different answers, and there's no perfect answer. If there was, somebody would figure it out and implement it against the Chiefs. You know, coming into any game, Patrick Mahomes is going to try and beat you with his arm. He's one of the most talented quarterbacks ever playing a game. He's the MVP, 40 touchdowns this year, blah, 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 blah. And you know his first choice on offense is to throw it to Travis Kelsey. His second choice on offense is probably to throw it to Travis Kelsey. And his third choice on offense is probably to throw it to Travis Kelsey. You know it, I know it, everybody knows it. Everybody watching the game on Sunday will know it. And yet they'll do it, and Kelsey will get 10, 12 uh, balls thrown his way, and he'll probably catch eight or nine of them. And on a bunch of them, he'll not only be open, he'll be wide open. I, it just boggles my mind every time Mahomes throws it downfield, and here's Kelsey, and there's nobody within five yards of him. <laughs> How does this happen? What does Kansas City do right, or Travis do right, or the defense do wrong? That not only does he make plays, not only does he catch balls, not only does he turn it upfield. But he does so without anybody defending him. What are the Eagles going to do different this week against Travis Kelsey? Well, when the Eagles played the Chiefs last year, uh, they held Kelsey to four catches for 23 yards. Now, Tyreek Hill had 11 catches for 186 yards on three touchdowns. That was the guy. That was the dude who the Eagles had to answer for. Uh, obviously, Tyreek, thankfully, is in Miami or somewhere far, far away from Arizona. <laughs> so we don't have to worry about him. Kelsey, I, I don't think the Eagles are going to shut him down to four catches for 23 yards because Kansas City is going to make him the focal point of their game plan, right? And the thing that makes Kelsey special is that he's a great route runner. So he can run a route, and he's able to make fakes and cuts. He sells his routes. He's technically sound. He's athletic. And he's able to just create that separation at the top of his route. He sells routes well so that maybe one time he runs here, he fakes to the inside, then he cuts out. The next time you're expecting him to cut outside, that's when he pivots and cuts inside. So the, the Kansas City game plan is always really sharp, his execution of it. And then when he improvises, he and Mahomes have been together for so long and are so in tune that when he improvises, Mahomes kind of has a feel when it's going to happen, and they're able to burn people. And uh, they, they did that. Uh, I was re-watching a game the other day, and they went for it on fourth down, and, and he – kind of broke off a route and got open in the end zone for a touchdown on fourth down and Mahomes hit him. And it was like, you could tell it was not the route he was supposed to run, but he and Mahomes just have that chemistry that comes from, uh, they've played together for five years and how many passes has Mahomes thrown him, you know, a thousand, you know, 2000, <laughs> he, obviously he's caught, you know, four or 500 passes, but just in practice and whatever else he's thrown in thousands of all. So the chemistry that is, is special. And part of the, the reason he's so good is the Chiefs figure out ways to 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 use personnel, motion, formation, 
to to get him in a favorable situation. And then that's, that guy's going to go down as one of the great tight ends in the history of football. So, uh, you know, it's, it's not luck. It's by design. And it's going to be interesting to see. The Eagles are going to double team him a lot and try to bracket him and try some different things. The one thing you don't want to do, do not use man coverage against him. He has destroyed man coverage this year. And you're asking for trouble if you try to cover him with one guy on a regular basis. Sticking with the tight ends, you know, the Eagles have a pretty pretty good tight end of their own in Dallas Goddard. And, um, you know, he dealt with injury this year, but he still, all things considered, had a pretty good season. When you think about guys like A.J. Brown and Devontae having 1,000-yard seasons, respectively, um, he did a pretty good job to fit into that. Um, and he hasn't really had the greatest impact. I know he scored a touchdown, I believe, in that Giants game, if I'm not mistaken. Did, um, yeah. So... I'm curious to know what 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 do you envision for his impact to be in this game? Um, I'm not I'm not too well versed on the Kansas City linebackers. I know they have a young athletic guy in Nick Bolton, but outside of him, um, I'm not too sure what they can do to really limit a guy like Dallas Goddard. Uh, do you see Dallas Goddard having a very large impact on this game? I think he could. Uh, so you know they have uh, Nick Bolton and Willie Gay, two athletic playmaking linebackers that can cover ground. But if you're the Eagles. And the Eagles like to use 12 personnel, which is sometimes two tight is two tight ends and one running back. If they go to that, then Kansas City, Kansas City in their fantasy uh, in the last six weeks has played a lot of dime defense. So if the Eagles line up with two tight ends and Kansas City tries to come at that with five or six defensive backs, the Eagles are just going to run the football on that. Because that's what they, they did against the Giants and they went for 268 yards. So if you try to go with defensive backs against two tight ends, the Eagles are going to say, we don't even need to get fancy. We're just going to run over you guys. So Kansas City is going to have linebackers on the field at times. And if you put Dallas Goddard up against those guys, they're athletes, but they don't have the kind of cover skills to cover Dallas Goddard. He's also a very good route runner. And then you mix in the RPOs, and I think he's going to be able to make some plays in the passing game. And Goddard, one of his real values is that he might be the most complete tight end in football. Not only is he an outstanding catcher, runner after the catch but he's also an outstanding blocker he's a difference maker you can put him on a defensive end and the guy's going to get blocked most tight ends you put him on a defensive end and you say we'll see what happens well obviously san francisco did that last week and saw it already <laughs> blew by and hit their quarterback <laughs> dallas goddard to whole other dude he can he's get in so there disciplined, he can block right? the end. you hardly see him get court holding either right he's just so disciplined as a block for a tight end well he's big he's strong and a lot of it is 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 so part of the biggest part of blocking for anybody is just effort you got to get in there and you got to want to block. Blocking's not fun, right? Offensive linemen, you know, most people would tell you offensive linemen are nuts because nobody wants to go <laughs> block, right? But if you will have the right attitude and then being a big, strong kid like he is, he's able to get his hands on somebody. And then the other thing he's taught well by Jason Michael and Jeff Stoutland, how to block. Here's where you put your hands. Here's the this, the way you want your feet. You know, do this, do that. You know, use your hips to, to, to generate power. And they teach him these subtle techniques. And then he takes all of that. And all of a sudden, he's blocking, you know, Kayvon Thibodeau or he's blocking Nick Bosa or whoever. And he's getting the job done. So he impacts the game even when he doesn't catch a pass. That's the kind of tight end he is. We'll stick with tight ends uh, and take it in another direction. While we've given credit and questioned Andy Reid some here on Birds 365 today, He's a Hall of Fame coach by the day. That kind of overshadows everything else. Uh, one thing I will say about Andy is he does recognize another team's strengths and weaknesses and tries to play to their uh, weaknesses and, and cover up the opposition strengths. That being said, 
Andrew Wiley can't block Hassan Reddick. And Wiley has been one of the more uh, taken advantage of left tackles in the NFL this year. And Hassan Reddick is one of the defensive uh, stalwarts of the entire National Football League. So I'm going to predict and project that Andy gives them help, that they'll be in a bunch of 12 personnel and they will give help to Wiley on the left uh, side. If that's the case, who's the more likely breakout guy on the right side? Brandon Graham, Josh Sweat. Is there a chance that the quote-unquote other defensive end on the Philadelphia Eagles is the guy who wrecks this football game on Sunday? Very well could be. You know, and Josh Sweat, he, uh, if you go back to the 2021 game, he, he got in and he had a big sack of, of Patrick Mahomes, got wiped out by a penalty on uh, Anthony Harris or Rodney McLeod, but he just blew right by the left tackle and engulfed Patrick Mahomes. Really, really impressive play. Uh, Sweat would be the guy that I would think of. With his motor, his quickness, his length, he can get off the edge, get by you, and make plays. And if, if they're helping you know, Andrew Wiley on the right side, like you're saying, then that's going to mean Sweat's going to be one-on-one against Orlando Brown. And Orlando Brown has struggled at times this year. So there is a big ability to win there. And then the other thing, Javon Hargrave against Joe Tooney, uh, I, I think Hargrave's going to win that matchup, not every single down, because Tooney's a, a good player. But Hargrave, uh, that guy can really bring it up the middle, and he's going to win some of those rushes. And if he can get through up the middle – Mahomes are going to have anywhere to go because he's going to have those two defensive ends collapse in the pocket from the outset. So it's going to be interesting to, to see just how much pressure the Eagles can get. You know, I'm of the mindset that this game is going to be won and lost in the trenches. I know the quarterback position is probably the most sexy conversation, but I think about I think about the trenches for both of these teams. The Eagles have arguably the best offensive line in football. Um, and on top of that, arguably one of the best defensive lines in football, leading, leading the league in sacks. You know, I just have a hard time believing that the physicality of this Eagles team won't be too much for the Chiefs through four quarters. I have a hard time believing the Chiefs can stand, you know, just the sheer will and physicality of this Eagles of this Eagles uh, trench work for four straight quarters. You know, you know, what's your thoughts on the trenches and its impact on this game? And, you know, do you think the Chiefs can hold up for as long as they need to, you know, to secure this win? Anytime you have Patrick Mahomes, you've got a chance to win. So the, the Chiefs absolutely have a chance to win this game. And not like a remote 1% chance. Uh, you know, not like, you know, uh, can Jody win people's sexiest man of the year? Yeah, technically it's possible, <laughs> but it's not likely. Uh, they have a realistic chance to win. But the Eagles are the better team. There's no question, right? They have the best defensive front in football. It's not even close. You know, I don't even know who you would put second. You can argue second all day long, but... The Eagles with their 70 sacks and and they lead the, the playoffs in sacks, uh, just knocked out two quarterbacks, the NFC championship. They're doing some unprecedented stuff. This is like wow. one of the all time great pass rushes. And basically, if their if their pass rush was a person, it would be Patrick Mahomes. Right. Wow. And so so they are doing things we haven't seen before. And so, the, go, so they're going up against a pair of offensive tackles that is inconsistent in pass protection. They're going up against a quarterback who's three weeks removed from a high ankle sprain. And then the receivers for Kansas City, a couple of the receivers have minor injuries that could limit them a little bit. To me, if the Eagles don't dominate up front, I'll be surprised. And, and that doesn't mean they're going to have 12 sacks, but they're just going to get in and hit Mahomes, force Mahomes to throw quickly, affect him. And, you know, so if they come out of the end of this game with two sacks, that's fine. If they hold Kansas City to 17 or 20 points, you know, 
I do not see a, a scenario where Kansas City is going to march down and score 38 or 40 points unless the Eagles just have an awful performance. And I'd be shocked for that to happen because the Eagles, it isn't one guy, right? They had four guys with double-digit sacks. And Dominican Sue had the two biggest hits or had two quarterback hits last week and knocked one of the quarterbacks out. Brandon Graham's capable of a three-sack game. Milton Williams is red hot. He's been a, a real force here the last month or so. They're just, they come at you in waves. You can't, you know, if you go back to the team that won the 2017 Super Bowl, you might look and say, oh, okay, well, we, we've got, you know, uh, Brandon Graham and Fletcher Cox off the field. Let's try to throw the ball. Let's be aggressive. With this group, the backups are just, they're not as good as the starters, but they're still very good and they still impact the game. So I think the Eagles front is going to dominate and the Eagles offensive line should be able to dominate the Kansas City uh, defensive line. Dominate might be a strong word. Kansas City has a good defensive line, but they should be able to win that battle and they should be able to run the football. And and I think the Eagles are going to be able to make enough plays to win this game. And to that point you just made about the Kansas City Chiefs having a pretty good defensive line. The Eagles were first in the National Football League in sacks this year. Kansas City Chiefs were second. So you got number one versus number two. That's a pretty big difference, 15 sacks difference. The Eagles kind of ran away and hid with the most sacks. But Kansas City was number two in the National Football League. Uh, And one of the guys that my usual partner, Johnny Mack, uh, I thought undersold this week was Frank Clark who didn't have as big a regular season he has in years gone by, but has been a tremendous postseason pass rusher. And I think they've got to show proper respect to Frank Clark if he gets. Now, I'm not saying this is going to happen. I would bet good money against it, as a matter of fact. If he gets two and a half sacks, he will become the all-time career-leading postseason sack guy in the history of National Football League. That's kind of saying something for Frank Clark. And the kid Carlottis is not bad either. Uh, the Eagles are not just going to uh, show up and, and dominate this Kansas City defensive line, are they, Tommy? They might. Uh, listen. You think so? <laughs> All right. You and you, you and McMullen both. Disrespect. We, we talk so much about disrespecting. I think look, you guys are all disrespecting the Kansas City defensive line. Well, hear me out for a second. So go back to the Giants game. So they had Ojolari and they had uh, uh, Kayvon Thibodeau, who were red hottest pass Ooh. rushers. Ojolari? Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. And then they had I couldn't Dexter spell Lawrence. that. I can say it, but I couldn't spell it. <laughs> De- kind, uh, Dexter kind of Lawrence. a little wet behind the ears, young, is he not? <laughs> they had Dexter Lawrence, who was the hottest defensive tackle in football at the time. And those guys did not hit J- uh, Jalen Hurts once. Zero quarterback hits in that game. Then last week, we went up against Nick Bosa, Eric Armstead. Uh, you know, the, the, the Niners have a slew of good pass rushers. They got a couple of hits on Jalen Hurts. So they have played two outstanding defensive lines already and completely shut them down. Kansas City is the best defensive line they faced yet. So that's why, you know, I said dominate earlier. I dominate is probably pushing things a little bit. But the Eagles have been able to shut these guys down because the Eagles have no obvious weaknesses on the offensive line. Uh, you know, they, they have two outstanding tackles. They have two guards. One is big and physical. One is more technically sound. And then Jason Kelsey, got a Hall of Fame center. So you've got a, an offensive line that's just complete. And Statlin comes up with these creative blocking schemes. And then their ability to, to mix in tempo, running the ball, they wear you down. Uh, so I think Kansas City's you know, Kansas City has a, a, a quality defensive line. Backups like Mike Dana and then uh, 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 Colin Saunders. You know, they're going to be able to, to mix some guys in. So it's not just stopping four guys. 
but they're going to be in for they're going to have their hands full with the Eagles offensive line. Yeah, Tommy. Uh, you know, I think about all the criticism the Philadelphia Eagles have gotten over the past, you know, a couple of weeks, you know, after beating the 49ers, a lot of a lot of former a lot of current 49ers uh, guys are been going on national television saying, "Oh, they got lucky if this wouldn't happen, if this could have happened." And always the woulda, coulda, shoulda, right? And you know, we can't focus on what would have happened or should have happened. We got to focus on what is. And it wasn't like Brock Purdy just tweaked that ankle and or he tripped over somebody or his own offensive lineman stepped on him. He got blown up. And I just I, I just feel like Nick Sirianni, as, as a coach, isn't getting enough credit, you know, for his impact on his team. I feel like this Eagles defense, you know, probably isn't getting the respect they deserve. Um, I know Jody always laughs about the whole respect thing and disrespect thing, uh, but um, <laughs> you know, just you know, what, what's been your thoughts on just the criticism the Eagles have gotten over the past couple of weeks from from former team from from former opponents or teams they played? Yeah, people get frustrated, you know, and, and, and I get that. Uh, it's easy to sit there and say, "Well, we wish we would have this." Hey, listen, let's go back to two thousand and three. I wish the Eagles had Brian Westbrook when they went through the playoffs. You know, I wish Donovan McNabb to get knocked out of the NFC Championship game. There's a lot of things you can go back and say, well, well, what if we had this? We'd have won that game. What if this hadn't happened? We'd have won that game. That's just sour grapes. That's part of sports. That's part of life. So it's, it's you, you get tired of hearing it. Uh, and, of course, at the at the Super Bowl, when, when somebody says something, there's all that media is shoved into one little area. So anything that gets said is going to get piped out to the world and recycled and discussed and over-discussed. So, yeah, you know, it's not that big a deal. I think – you know, people, the, the Niners know the Eagles were a really good team. They're not saying the Eagles weren't a good team. They're just frustrated because they didn't feel like they got a fair shot. The reason they get a fair shot is because the Eagles broke their quarterbacks. <laughs> Both right? of them. <laughs> you know, if, if we were talking about the 85 Bears, people would go, that's the 85 Bears. They knock people out. They kick their butts. That's how you play football. And when we're watching a video of the 2022 20, Eagles in 10 years, people may say, this dominating defense that knocked quarterbacks out and may all of a sudden be something that's, that's talked about. Now all people could say is, well, you know, you got lucky. You knocked out the quarterback, so you didn't have to face anybody. They they skip over the part that the quarterback was knocked out. Knocked out. I, you know, right. I could see if the guy had a, had a concussion that was not related to a hit, if he had hurt himself in a weird accident at the hotel, it was yeah. a car accident on the way to the game, then you'd say, all right, the Eagles just got lucky, right? They made their own luck. You know, that hit from Hassan Reddick was huge. When I saw that live, I thought, oh, I thought they may have broken his wrist, you know, and uh, and they, they kept showing him trying to do stuff on the sideline. And I was like, that guy's in bad shape. But now you find out, he, you know, torn nerve. And uh, and that was a legit hit. That was it just clean. completely, completely clean and nasty. And then and Dominican Sue. So if, if you watch the second half, Josh Johnson on one play drops back and Milton Williams goes in and lights him up. The next play, Indominus Sue beats the uh, the left guard or the right guard, I guess. I guess, and uh, and then Sue hits him just the way Reddick hit hit Purdy, and just puts him down on the ground hard, and that guy's knocked out. So they, the the quarterbacks were taking these big brutal hits. Like I'm saying, if we we're watching NFL films videos, they would put on some, the right music and slow it down. And <laughs> you talk about the monsters of the midway or the steel curtain or dooms they yeah. gang green. And instead, it's like, yeah, the Eagles got lucky. So uh, Nick Sirianni will play the disrespect card a little bit. I don't think he's too big in all that stuff. The players eat it up. The players will do it. 
and, uh, Sirianni wants him to, to play for the right reasons, and that's where he preaches connection and playing for your teammates and people you love and you care about. And, and that message has resonated with this team, and it's helped him get to this point. And, oh, by the way, Josh Johnson got a little gun-shy because uh, they hit him with one snap in the worst possible place right in the middle of his hands, and he dropped it, which led to an easy touchdown right before the half, which basically sealed the deal for the Eagles. And, oh, by the way, all the 49er whiners, um, your coach could have dropped a challenge flag on that Devontae Smith play. He's signaling everybody to come up to the line. Why, to celebrate? Or you think maybe he knew he didn't catch the ball? The 49ers coach chose not to challenge that, so that was on them again. Not, not, not luck. There was some luck involved, but uh, the better team won that football game. All right, Absolutely. so we need from you, Tommy Lawler, and you've already stated you think the Eagles are the better roster. Are they better than fo- football team? Is Patrick Mahomes going to be able to pull this one out of his ear hole? He is a magic man, and if the forty, uh, excuse me, if the Chiefs win, we all think it's going to be because of Mahomes. Is that going to happen on Sunday? Are the Eagles going to walk away with their second Super Bowl victory? Or will it be a long couple of months here in Philadelphia starting on Monday? So somebody hit me up on Twitter this morning. I put out something last night. There's a stat that said uh, the last seven or nine NFL MVP winners had that made it to the Super Bowl lost in the game. And so I made a joke that Jalen Hurts was thinking ahead by not winning the MVP. <laughs> and uh, somebody hit me up and said, you know, a quarterback doing more with a less less of a roster is a great recipe for winning MVP, but it's not a great recipe for winning the Super Bowl. And I thought that's a great way of putting it, right? Mahomes doesn't have elite receivers. Mahomes doesn't have an elite offensive line. He doesn't have an elite defense. Uh, and I think come Sunday night, he won't have the Lombardi trophy either. I think the wow. Eagles are going to win this game. I think it's going to be somewhere in the neighborhood of 27 to 20. I think the Eagles' ability to, to 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 dominate at times, both sides of the line of scrimmage is going to have an impact. Mahomes is going to make plays. Don't get discouraged if the Chiefs match them for touchdowns early and it's 7-7, 14-14, or 10-10, or the Chiefs have a 14-10 lead, whatever. But as, over the course of the game, I think the Eagles are going to get a few stops, forcing a punt or forcing a field goal, and then the Eagles are going to be able to to have have uh, make plays and I think they're they're the better team, and I think they're going to find a way to win. They've done it all year long. If they turnovers are the key, Jalen Hurts is sixteen and one as a starter. The one loss had four turnovers. If he can protect the football and the the Eagles protect the football, they should win this game. Check out his website, Eagles Blitz. That's i g g l e s Blitz dot com. Tommy's got a uh, breakdown of the entire game, adding to what he's told us here today. Please uh, check it out before the game on Sunday, and then afterwards when he's talking about what he believes. I believe. I believe. Tom believes. We know Johnny McMullen believes is going to be an Eagles victory. Uh, Tommy, you did a great job for us all year. No, we're going to tap into you during the postseason as well. Thanks much for coming on with us today and enjoy the game on Sunday. Thanks, fellas. I'll, I'll uh, look forward to Sunday. It's going to be fun, exciting, and hopefully it's going to be a good day. You got it. That is uh, Tommy Lawler, Eagle, former Eagle beat writer, now blogger for EaglesBlitz.com here with us on Birds 365. Great word from Tommy, man. Tommy Tommy did great, man, as always. He, he always does, but all you got If Frank Clark gets two sacks on Sunday, I'm going to need you talk about disrespecting. I'm going to need apologies from McMullen, Tommy Lawler. I'm telling you, Frank Clark is one of the best big game players in the history 
of the National Football League. I know he only had six sacks this year, and the Eagles had four guys with 10 or more. So, yes, the Eagles defensive line had a better year than the Kansas City Chiefs offensive line. Defensive line. They were good enough to be number two in the NFL in sacks. I'm just mentioning, beware Frank Clark. He's a pretty big game, big game player. That's okay. not going to change my opinion. I think the Eagles are going to win the game, but uh, we do like to talk about respect and disrespect. <laughs> of course. Uh, Tony Shields in for Johnny Mac uh, today. J-Mac on his uh, way out to Arizona. He'll be there all weekend for the game, all the pregame stuff, in-game stuff. Uh, post-game stuff right here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. You know you can uh, be with us all weekend prior to and then, of course, after the game with the post-game show. All right, Tone and I coming back. More coming your way here on Birds 365. Go for the beers, go for the cheers, go for the hit and the hits, go for the scene. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Philadelphia fans were cut from a different cloth. Born into a brotherhood and bonded to our team for life. We believe anything is possible because we've witnessed the impossible. While we may be from different neighborhoods, come Sunday, we are one and we will be heard. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Hi everybody, my name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech we offer three major services. The first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. Why do millions of people every year from around the world visit Philly's Rocky statue? You want to tell me the sky is burgundy with green stripes and yellow polka dots? I'll meet you on that. But you're never going to convince me Rocky is anything other than the pure greatness that it is. Never going to happen. Join me, Paul Farber, for WHYY's The Statue. We're going on a journey to explore the biography of the Rocky statue. Find us wherever you get your podcasts.
post-game show with Seth Joyner. I knew that they had a running game. Derek Gunn. He has put in the effort. Devin Caney. Had we not won the Super Bowl, what would we be saying? And Mike Missanelli. Well, you know how Philly is. Post-game, now streaming on the 6ABC family of apps. It is Birch 365, not Mac and Mac, because John McMullen is making his way out to Arizona for the big game on Sunday. So, Tony DeShield sitting in for him today with me, Jody McDonald, on Birch 365. All right, Tom, one narrative I feel the need to at least lend my opinion to, because I think it's being uh, improperly portrayed and or analyzed, um, is the comparison uh, of last year's game between these two teams, the Eagles and the Chiefs, which uh, week five, week four, week five was early in the season. Uh, yeah. I think it was week four. Uh, Kenzie came in here, put up a 40 spot against the Eagles and beat them relatively handily. It, 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 uh, I know people like to say, within one score, Kansas City moved the ball up and down the field against the Chiefs that day, and they won. Um, and people are just now checking the box score and seeing that Tyreek Hill had all these long mega plays for uh, major yards and touchdowns uh, and are coming, join the conclusion, well, you take Tyreek Hill out, uh, Jason, uh, Travis Kelsey only had four catches for 40 yards again. We can stop Travis Kelsey. You know who stopped Travis <sighs> Kelsey that day? Tyreek Hill. Because Patrick Mahomes said, well, I could throw it 10 to 12 yards to Travis, so I could throw it 40 or 50 yards to Tyreek. I get to pick or choose which one I want to do. And, of course, he picks the guy downfield who's going to get the long touchdown for him. It doesn't mean, unless all these people who are, oh, we can stop Travis Kelsey, sat down, broke down the all 22 film and saw that Kelsey was so well covered on those plays. He might very well have been open, too. And Mahomes just said, well, which one do I want, the short gain or the long game? Yeah, give me the long game. And he got it to, uh, to to Tyreek Hill. If you don't respect Travis Kelsey coming into this game and what he's done this year, uh, then you just haven't been watching enough football because he is one scary tight end. He is one scary football player. The whole Kelsey versus Kelsey thing has been a whole bunch of fun this week. And his mom becoming the uh, major female figure. It, it was one of the two Kelsey's. It's either Kelsey's mom or Kelsey's wife, who actually has a sponsor this week to go out to uh, the game. And she may or may not have her baby while she's out there. All this stuff has been great. And we certainly are looking at it through Jason's eyes. They better cover Travis Kelsey, uh, Tom, because if they don't, that could be the undoing of the Eagles in the Super Bowl game. Yeah, most definitely. You bring you bring a, a great point because I mean, what would you expect from Tyreek Hill when you have when he has twelve targets compared to uh, Travis Kelsey's six lonely targets? Right. I mean, right. Ty- Tyreek Hill was the focal point in that game, and Tyreek Hill did exactly what Tyreek Hill was supposed to do. Um, what I will say is, I think the Philadelphia Eagles' offense played well enough to win that game, but the defense was the real issue. Um, giving up over uh, two hundred rushing yards, about two hundred rushing yards exactly. I think that was really the undoing of that team because it pretty much allowed Patrick Mahomes and those guys to do essentially whatever they wanted, 200 rushing yards, averaging six yards a carry. I mean, you can pretty much live and die by anything you want to do. 
Um, so I think the main difference between then and now is this Eagles defense has taken up, taken a major leap. And, you know, the Kansas City Chiefs rushing offense has actually declined. Um, if I'm not mistaken, the Kansas City Chiefs uh, rushing offense is ranked 21st in the NFL, averaging just over 100 yards a game. I think about 110 yards, 113 yards a game. And um, in the last game, they only were, they only were able to muster 42 rushing yards. So their rushing attack isn't as um, influential as it once was, um, you know, when they had a fully healthy Edward Hilaire. Now, he was activated off IR, um, but I don't expect him having too much of an impact on this game. Um, and again, the Chiefs rushing attack is not dynamic. And I, I wouldn't be completely surprised if they abandoned it early because the Eagles got maybe two or three, maybe four good stops on those guys. So I think that's really going to be the telltale sign. If the Eagles stop the run and force Patrick Holmes to have to throw that ball 40, 50, maybe 60 times, which I think it's going to end up being, um, I think the Eagles are more so in a comfortable position than if the Chiefs were able to run the ball at will. Here's where you make your argument that the Eagles are better suited to win this game than they were last year facing off against the Chiefs. Last year against the Chiefs, they didn't have Hassan Reddick pressuring the quarterback. Mm -hmm. He was not part of their defensive line mix. Uh, they did not have uh, James Bradbury on one of the talented Kansas City wide receivers, who you're right, are not as talented this year without Tyree Kill. So the Eagles are better. The Chiefs are at least lesser. I won't say worse, but lesser than they were last year. And they didn't have Chauncey, last year they didn't have Chauncey Gardner-Johnson as a playmaking safety. So the Eagles have significantly upgraded their defense. The Chiefs might not be quite as good an offense without Tyreek Hill, but the whole, well, you just take Tyreek Hill out of the mix and we, everything else stays the same. Just minus Tyreek Hill and everything else is exactly, well, it doesn't go that way. But the Eagles do have more talent on defense, which brings us to Jonathan Gannon. Uh, who is a much ballyhooed, talked about, debated defensive coordinator here in Philadelphia. John and I are certainly on record as uh, bigger Gannon fans than detractors. Um, he's going to be scrutinized uh, with the way this game goes. And if you think he's going to go out there, so far the Eagles have given up 14 points in two playoff games to the Giants and the 49ers. If you think he's holding Patrick Mahomes to seven points on Sunday, if he does, my God, he should he, he should run for mayor if he uh, actually holds the uh, Chiefs to seven points. How scrutinized is gonna, Gannon going to be on Monday? I asked this to one of our guests yesterday. Don't, I'll ask it to you. Which will be the guy that we're more talking about on Monday out of the two coordinators, Jonathan Gannon or Shane Steichen? And will it be e either in a positive vein or a negative vein? Oh, man, that's a really good question. Um, I think maybe the guy that might be most talked about will be Jonathan Gannon, good or bad, because he's Jonathan um, Gannon. He's Jonathan Gannon, right? And um, it's so funny. I remember uh, prior to that San Frank game, he pulled up in his G-Wagon to the fans and said, hey, we're going to crush these guys, whatever he said, right? And um, John always jokes, maybe, maybe he should have started pandering earlier, right? Um, but yeah, I think Gannon is going to – like this game, as good as this Eagles offense is, and we expect them to have a pretty uh, successful game, I think this game is really going to come down to can the defense uh, limit Patrick Mahomes and keep him from having long, sustained drives? You know, uh, again, this Eagles defense is significantly better, significantly better than they were uh, last season. Um, this year on the season, 
uh, they were able to accumulate 70 sacks, right? Last year, this team was essentially dead last in the league when it came to sacks. So, like Excellent. you mentioned, they, they, they were only 31st out of 32, Tony. You're last. I'm dead last. <laughs> you're you're we, dead we last. We get your drift. Your, your point <laughs> is accurate. Exactly. So, it's like, I mean, when you think about it from that perspective, it's a completely different defense, personnel perspective, from a talent perspective. Um, and I think the talent has just risen to the top when it comes to this Jonathan Gannon scheme. You know, he relies heavily on his guys to be smart and make plays. You know, it's one of those offenses where your 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 personnel has to be have to be playmakers. And last year they didn't have any playmakers. This year they do. CJ Garner Johnson, Hassan Reddick, James Bradbury, who I think is going to have a big game. Um, but I think Jonathan Gannon is going to be the one talked about, good or bad, because if Jonathan Gannon holds Patrick Mahomes to you know, you know, different quarterbacks. You know, you 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 change your metric a little bit, right? You know, if you hold Daniel Jones to if you hold Daniel Jones to under 17, 14 points, you did you did your job, right? If you let if you let if you let Daniel Jones get twenty four or twenty five points on you, it's like hold on, what the hell happened? But when it comes to Patrick Mahomes, if you limit Patrick Mahomes to twenty points or less, Jonathan Gannon did his job. He did his job. You're breaking it down via points. One of our streamers here, Transistor Zen, did the same thing. Said if Gannon holds the Chiefs to the same 23 points that the Bengals had them, held them to, um, the Eagles should be able to win the game because they should be able to get 27 points against this. All you need is 24 if you hold them to 23. But 27, and it is Patrick right Mahomes. I mean, he's a wizard out there. We got to be honest. He 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 is the reason why this game is supposed to be close. And the Bengals defense is good. It's much improved. I don't think it's as good as the Eagles defense. And if the no. Bengals defense was able to hold Mahomes to 23 points. Why, why wouldn't you believe that the Eagles defense could hold this team to 23 points? Other than corners, the game demonic. might the game might play a little differently. Sometimes yeah. you get in a game and there is that that, that ne you never thought that that was a track meet. Uh, right. uh, Cincinnati and Kansas City last week there was more up and down coaching element. Teams trying to establish a little bit of a run, and that'll be a big part of this one. How much are the Eagles going to quote unquote try and establish the run? Sometimes you just get a game and it's pass, 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 pass. I don't think that's going to be the case. I'm I'm leaning toward an overtone and a lot of points being scored, but I think it's because I I really do believe the Eagles will be effective running the football, not just three yards at a time, move the chains, another first down. 15 play possessions that end up in uh, Jalen Hurts' one-yard touchdown run. Um, you think this is going to be a, a balanced game, or do you think it's going to be an aerial attack between the number one and number two MVP candidates in the league? It has to be a balanced game for the Philadelphia Eagles because you don't want to get caught up in that track meet style that Patrick Mahomes wants to get in, right? He wants to sling it. The Eagles are at their best when they're balanced. Um, I think, you know, I was I, I was looking at this team's uh, attempts when it, when it comes to uh, passing the ball, and I was looking at their attempts when it comes to running the ball. And the Philadelphia Eagles threw the ball this season a grand total of 536 times, and they ran the ball 544 times. So you can make an argument they're a run-first team because of those numbers. But that's essentially a 50-50 metric, a 50-50 ratio. Mm -hmm. So the Eagles are at their best when they're able to get that running game going. The offensive line is create, creating a new line of scrimmage. Um, you know, Jalen Hurts is, you know, winning in the RPO and taking advantage of teams stacking the box and winning the one-on-one uh, -on -one matchups with his wide receivers and his tight ends. The Eagles want this game to be led by their offensive line. Um, they want this game to be physical. They want it to be nasty. They want to be they want to be the most dominant team. They want to be the strongest team on the field. And if the offensive line is winning, I'll tell you this. 
if you see the Eagles in a lot of second and short situations, not just third and short, but if you see them in situations like second and four, second and three, even second and five, right? If you see them in those positions regularly, they're going to win this game. Agree on all fronts. And oh, by the way, while I'm giving Frank Clark credit for his ability to get the. We got to get you a Frank Clark jersey, game. Jody. We got to get you his jersey. Uh, I a Frank Clark jersey. <laughs> oh, I, I don't think he's going to be if the Eagles dedicate themselves to running the football. And oh, by the way, I think a guy who's going to get a bunch of running yards on Sunday is the quarterback. I think, uh, uh, as we've noted all week, there's no game next week. Uh, starting on Monday, Bird Street 65 will not be leading up to an Eagles game. We can guarantee you that there are no games for six months. Uh, so what are you protecting Jalen Hurts for? I don't think the Eagles play calling is going to do that. I don't think Jalen Hurts is going to play that way. I don't think there's going to be sliding. I think there's going to be going for every single yard. And I think Hurts could have a uh, big game uh, running the football himself. That's not Frank Clark's strength. Frank Clark's strength is getting after the quarterback. So even though I'm kind of singing the praises of Frank Clark this year, he could be a guy who could be taken advantage of, but it'll be more so in the running game than it will be in the passing game. Uh, he's Tony to Shields. He's in for Johnny Mac. We're hoping to hear from our buddy Chris Franklin. Chris is already out in Arizona, and it's still pretty early out there in Arizona, but he said he would get up and he would stream in, did want to be part of our pre-Super Bowl coverage the week leading up to the Super Bowl. We got 45 minutes left. Hopefully we get to spend some of them with Chris Franklin of NJ.com. He's up next here on Birds 365. With Seth Joyner. I knew that they had a running game. Derek Gunn. He has put in the effort. Devin Caney. Had we not won the Super Bowl, what would we be saying? And Mike Missanelli. Well, you know how Philly is. Post game, now streaming on the 6ABC family of apps. Why do millions of people every year from around the world visit Philly's Rocky statue? You want to tell me the sky is burgundy with green stripes and yellow polka dots? I'll meet you on that. But you're never going to convince me Rocky is anything other than the pure greatness that it is. Never going to happen. Join me, Paul Farber, for WHYY's The Statue. We're going on a journey to explore the biography of the Rocky statue. Find us wherever you get your podcasts.
field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Champions on three. One, two, three. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Hi, I'm Jim Muehlbronner, Managing Partner at DelVal Insurance Group. Give us a call. We're a local, knowledgeable agency, not an 800 number. Go Birds! Shields in for Johnny Mac today. He's winging his way out to Arizona with me, Jody McDonnelly, on Birds 365. And joining us on a Friday. He's not used to being on Fridays. Usually we have him on on Mondays. And he's used to being in front of his uh, backyard with the birds going in the background. Today he's in front of the obligatory hotel room curtain. Live from Arizona, it's our buddy Chris Franklin from NJ.com. All right, Chris, we got plenty of time to break down the game with you. But first things first. Give us the feel of the town right now. We've seen the uh, clips starting with uh, media day leading up and all the availability that the players have given to you guys and and everybody across the nation for that matter. Um, What's the feel like in town? uh, Eagle fans, chief fans, everybody else leading up to Super Bowl uh, 37, two days out. What's it like out there? Well, it's the first couple of days out here is like this it was weird because it was like, all right, where, where is everybody? It was, it was a lot of just us, us in the media. And was like, okay, where, where are the fans? And then opening night, you see a lot of cheese fans. They, they, they did outnumber. And then all of a sudden now I just see a lot of people, just flat out people. It's hard to tell what jerseys they're wearing, but overall it started to get, last night was the first night. It really truly felt like, Hey, you know what? This is a Super Bowl Cause the streets were crowded. We the media bus were coming back from the Eagles practice. We got stuck in traffic because there's so many people out and about and, and you start to get this feel like all right it's like a fight it's a fight like a fight night all right you start to feel these more and more people going around and i think the eagles fan the, the one i did see last night i started to see a couple more green jerseys so i'm starting to think it's people are starting to arrive now but it's it, it's starting it's starting to hit now a little bit like hey you know what it's, it's a big game about to happen hey chris thanks for joining us man i know jody decided to take the fan route but i'm going to take it a step further did you run into chris sims out there did, 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 did you manage to uh, pick his brain as to why he continues to doubt the mean green Philadelphia Eagles machine? You know, it was funny because when he's on, when they're on radio row and there's times when you're like just walking around like, all right, let me just see how it is. And then I didn't know I was in there live shot a couple of times. So I'm like, oh, like, and then finally I'm like, oh, mm, that, that's a light zone. Okay, never mind. Let me try to go walk past him. I really want to ask him like, I, I just wanted to ask him like, hey, a minute. I, I know you, there's hills you, you stand on, and I know there's stuff that you're like, you know what, I, I truly believe this and this, but there, there's some takes that you're just like, all right, I I, I, I don't know. I <laughs> so, yeah, so I, it's, uh, yeah, I really want to go up there. Like, like there's times like, oh, no, I, I don't know. So if you ever saw, I think it was Wednesday, if you saw Wednesday, if you were watching NBC Sports, uh their, their main thing and you saw somebody just dart out the shot yeah that was me sorry <laughs> and oh by the way i can't believe i'm going to come to chris sims uh, defense here 
He hasn't badmouthed the Eagles. He's only badmouthed Jalen Hurts. And if anything, he's given a lot of props to the Eagles. That's why I said Jalen Hurts. Uh, Chris Franklin could quarterback the Philadelphia Eagles. Judy stupidly suggested Gardner Minshew could, and he's 0-2. He's actually <laughs> given props to the Eagles. He just refuses to give any credit whatsoever to Jalen Hurts, which is idiotic. All right, uh, uh, coming up to this game, we're judging from afar. You're there. You're around them. They're saying all the right things. But I'm, I guess I'm going to ask you to judge body language a little bit, uh, at least via all the video we've seen on TV back here in Philadelphia. This looks like a focus group. This looks like a group that isn't going to be uh, the moment's going to be too big for them, that they they are ready for this. And that's credit to each individual player and to this coaching staff. Uh, the Chiefs have been there, done that. A bunch of guys have already played in the Super Bowl. Not that many percentage wise of the Eagles have. Or am I seeing this through green-colored glasses, that the Eagles look good and ready and prepped and focused and prepared because I want them to be, or is that actually the case? You know, when I, and I was going out when I was first initially out there, I wanted to see how the younger guys were going to react, the guys who were going to be in there the first time especially. and Because we all know when you look at Brandon, you look at Brandon Graham, you look at Lane Johnson, all those guys, they've been there before. So they're like, they're taking it, the, the mental approach to that. I was surprised at how relaxed, everybody was, especially when he came to Jalen Hurts. Like, that's – Hurts has been – that's the most open I've ever seen him. That's the most where he looks relaxed, he's smiling, he, he's cracking – he just looks – he looks like he's been there before. I guess maybe that comes from all the SEC championship games that he's been to. Maybe that comes from from playoff games he's in. And so, anyway, I was talking to Kenneth Gangwell and all these other guys, and you see it, and they're like, they're, they're just really chill. It's eerily chill. I'm like, almost like – and it's just another week. It was like almost like a it's regular season. We just have a pass just as both fifty seven on it. It's it's crazy how they're doing, but yeah, they they seem really focused. They seem really relaxed, and I think that's big because they're not letting this moment get too big big for them. Especially when you know as everything online has increased attention onto it, the, the distractions, the weird things that are going on around all around that hotel and, and around the city. Yeah, I definitely see what you mean, Chris. Um, I was watching a bunch of different interviews, and one guy that just seems to be super locked in to me and, and completely understands the assignment is Hassan Reddick. I mean, you know, one thing that stood out to me that he said, or what he said was the fact that he understands what's at stake, and he's fighting for legacy. He's fighting, you know, he he, he wants to be remembered. And, you know, that's really what it's all about, right? This team just has that mentality Um and you, you, you can't really deny the work they put in throughout the season. You know, me and John always talk about this. A lot of teams have an identity, right? Uh, maybe, maybe they're a run team or they're a West Coast team, however you want to de- decipher it. Most teams have an identity. This Eagles team, they seem to morph to whatever needs to get done on any given Sunday. And, you know, I made the argument that maybe they don't have an identity or maybe the identity isn't something you should focus on. Maybe it's the mentality. Right. You know, and, and, and that begs the question, what's more important, an identity or mentality? And I'll ask you the same question. I think it's mentality, because I think if you have it, you can have an identity of, yeah, you know what, we're you're we're phys- we're basically, hey, you know, what, we're going to run, 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 run. But if you're not physical enough, you don't have a mentality of I'm going to kill that guy across the line for me. Then whatever identity you think you have, you really don't know. And I think it's that mentality you have, because if you say you've done something successful every single time that you've been out there, it still goes to the fact it something doesn't work. Like, say the scheme doesn't work or we're we're known as the team that can just make you methodically go out of the field. If you don't have a mentality, that killer instinct, you know what? 
you ain't crossing this line of scrimmage. You're not going to get a yard against stuff like that. I think that plays that that's a little thing that that plays not into the hands. I think basically you need that that killer instinct in fact. So I look at this team, and when you look at guys like Fletcher Cox, when you look like you mentioned Hassan Reddick, and when you look at it, even at times I know he's jovial at times, but when he gets on that field, he turns into another person and Brandon Graham stuff like that. I think when all else fails and, and, and their initial plan doesn't work, that's when you start to go back to your just primal nature on defense going to say, okay, you know what? Not kill the other guy on the other side of the ball. Chris, let's uh, – and these numbers could very well apply or I could be just making them up as I go along here. Let's say Patrick Mahomes throws for 350 yards in this game, which is a distinct possibility because he's awesome. Patrick Mahomes, even against the very good Eagle defense. And Jalen Hurts needs to get 350 yards of his own. Now, he might get some of it on the ground. I'm not saying he has to go yard for yard via the air versus Patrick Mahomes, but he needs to equal Patrick Mahomes in just yards generated, period. Jalen Hurts got a 350-yard game in him? I think so. I really think this game's going to be around that because I just look at what happened the last time they met last year, and I know it was a regular season game versus the playoffs, but – I look at the way that these te- those defenses were just letting everybody go, and I really think we could be in for watching another game like that. I, I think it's a very distinct possibility because the way that Mahomes is – you know Mahomes is going to get the ball out the, his hands quickly, and I really think when you look at – they want to protect him as much as possible because he can say he's 100%. He's not – the ankle's not 100%. It's probably, it could be 80, which is still – Patrick Mahomes with 80%. Yeah, it's kind of dangerous when it comes to there, but I think they're going to try to protect him and, get the ball out quickly to, to, to perimeter and to some of the running backs and to the wide receiver. So Hurts is going to – that offense is going to probably have to go get going and it's to generate. And I think the way that the Chiefs play defense outside, especially that, those cornerbacks, I think that Hurts can attack them downfield with A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith. So I think it's a possibility where you could see Hurts getting about – personally, I think Hurts gets like a 290 passing and then like another like 50, 60 yards rushing. I think we're going to be feeling very uncomfortable the whole entire night until the fourth quarter because both these quarterbacks are going to shine on the big stage. Chris, I want to take you through a scenario that I mapped out on my head that I believe may be the most optimal for the Philadelphia Eagles, especially dealing with the dynamic of a Super Bowl, long intro, long halftime, so on and so forth. I believe it's important for the Philadelphia Eagles to win the toss or at least want the ball first, score first, (laughs) and then make sure they score last in the first half. So you want to book in the first half with us being the first score and the last score, right? And then you go into halftime and then you put the pressure on KC to have to come out of halftime guns blazing and scoring because you have the lead, right? So I pretty much say all that to say, is it important for this Eagles team to keep that same momentum that they have in this first two playoff games to score first, um, win that toss? Like, how important do you think it is to win the toss? I think it's really important. Like I said, if you score first in the first half and you score last in the first half and you have the lead, you put that pressure on them. If they don't score coming out of that sec- coming out of that halftime, you have an opportunity to stick the knife in and twist it and maybe go for the kill in the third quarter. What's your thoughts on that? See, I actually, I'm, I'm from the conservative school. I'd rather defer because I think really think that you gives you time. You both. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> You do, I think you defer because when you do that, I, I know they say for most half times, you don't really like that whole thing of we made our halftime adjustments and we did this. It, for me, honestly, like you, there's only a couple things you can really do, but you can't drastically change your whole entire game plan that way. You're pretty much stuck in there. 
So I really think it's going to be like I think as long as I think as long as you stop them or you hold them to a field goal on that first possession, if you if you if you if you do that, I think it's really important to get that possession coming out the half because you know you're rested, you get to go back again and, and, and do your thing. But I, I think I saw it somewhere else. Is it something that's going on with like the uh, coin flip? Whoever lost the flip actually has won something like that lately. So maybe if you're superstitious, maybe that's the way to go about it when it comes to all that. But you know, I, I'm more of a, I want to get out there on in, in the second half, reestablish it, treat it as a new game, especially if it's a very close one. Treat it as a new treat it as a new game starting zero zero. Then you really start to try to force things down the line once you once you lost the talk, once you uh, get the ball deferred. All right, uh, need a little bit of a crystal ball look at how this game is going to go from an individual perspective. Uh, we'll ask you about the the overall game before we let you run. Um, two weeks running now. The leading rusher for the Philadelphia Eagles has been Kenny Gainwell. Will it be three weeks in a row? I think it's a possibility because I think he's going to be on the field more just because of, I think it's going to be an open, like an open, I think it's going to be a track meet at times. And if that happens, the Eagles are going to have to be in their passing personnel and in their third downs. I think he can see more, uh, I think you'll see a lot more. I, I wouldn't be surprised if you look at the, tar- the, the snap share and all of us, he and Miles are close to the same. I, I, I would be surprised if you sprinkle a couple of Boston Scott Scott things maybe down near the goal line. But I really think that when you look at the way he's – I think he's earned it. I mean, you look at he's he's been more patient. Like this came the game where we see now, I like the more patient, the more uh, the more patient one cut and go game that we've seen in the play, in these last two playoff games that we've seen in the first couple of regular season games. I think he was just trying to rush, trying to get to a hole as quickly as he can and not let the offensive line develop the holes that, that we've seen that Miles Sanders and Russell Scott have taken advantage of. So I think when all is said and done, Kenneth Gainwell is going to be he, – he's going to be a big factor in this game. He could be the X factor in this game when you look at the way uh, it could clearly just turn out. So – yeah, he, I guess he'll be in the lead, the lead dog in Russia. Chris, earlier you brought up super, superstition, so I'm going to try to lean into that a little bit more. Um, we all know the MVP award, for some reason, has been <laughs> cursed in the 21st century. Mm-hmm. And uh, we haven't seen a quarterback win the MVP and win the Super Bowl since Kurt Warner, I believe it was that 1999. 1999, right. Yeah, so. Centuries and Oprah, you're right, dog. Yeah, so we haven't seen that happen this century. I know that makes it that much more uh, larger than life, right? But, you know, Patrick Mahomes won MVP, and I don't know, I'll be honest with you. When I saw that, I immediately said to myself, all right, Eagles, all you got to do is play your game. So, you know, what's your thoughts on that MVP award, you know, the result? And also, um, how uh, superstitious are you, right? How much stock do you put into that stat, I guess you'll say? I think when you look at the MVP, I, th- I thought Mahomes was going, to, was going to get it. I thought, it was, honestly, I thought last night they were going to – I know the Offensive Player of the Year award usually goes to the non-quarterback, which happened to Justin. I thought maybe their people were going to split the vote, say, okay, Jalen Hurts is going to be the Offensive MVP, and Mahomes was going to be the, MV, the, offense, the Offensive Player of the Year, and then Mahomes was going to be the MVP. But you saw that Jefferson got it, which was like, all right, cool. I was uh, and afterwards, especially after Hertz missed those last two games, I thought that the voters were going to really go with Mahomes. I was just shocked there were so many third and fourth place votes for Hertz. I thought there was like ten fourth place votes or something like that when I saw the break. I was like, I, I, I didn't get, I didn't get that. I thought he was, I thought it was a two man race, and there were so many third and fourth place votes that that kind of shocked me a little bit. But I think it kind of. <laughs> 
I'm not a big superstition guy, but there is a weird trend that's going on right now. Normally, I'm not like, okay, I have to make sure I go on the left side of the road and, oh, no, I, well, I'm not going to step on that crack because I, I want my mom's back to be okay for the next time being. But when I look at this stat here, it's, it's just, I think it's more of a weird coincidence that's happening right now. Uh, and I, it, I think it's more of that than anything. But, you know, it, it, for, for some of those guys who feel like they need to have a certain shake or they have to start the same routine, if they're, if they're really into that and heavy, hey, that helps them out mentally, hey, go for it. But I, 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 I'm not the more superstitious type when it comes to stuff like that. Got it. And, oh, by the way, of the 50 Associated Press voters who voted for the MVP, two of them somehow did not have Jalen Hurts in the top five. Uh, if you're asking me, they should have their voting uh, rights removed from them immediately. How you don't have them in the top five is beyond imagination. I've, I'm with you, Chris. He should have been number two, and he was on most ballots, and that's why he finished second in the voting. But who are the two idiots? And I don't think we can blame Chris Sims on this one. I think it was Associated Press guys who disrespected Jalen Hurts. All right. Uh, here's some of my concerns coming into the game. We've already gone over the whole Frank Clark thing. He might get a sack and uh, the disrespect he's been shown by some Philadelphia media members, a.k.a. John McMullen. Um, <laughs> here's, here's one thing that uh, the Eagles are good at, and the Kansas City Chiefs are very good at. How is the defense going to work against their offensive strengths? Travis Kelsey and the screen game. We all think of Patrick Mahomes winging it downfield, off the back foot, over underhand, all these different angles he throws from. He's also really good at the screen game. And Jack McKinnon's a pretty good guy catching the ball out of the backfield. So that is Eagles linebackers and Eagles safeties having to make plays, either covering Kelsey downfield and or coming up and making the tackles on the guys coming out of the backfield. Are they up to that task, Chris? There's two things when you look at Andy Reid, like you see the DNA, you see the double pass and it's a screen pass. It's like it's, you can put it on a book it on a bank, like, all right, cool. We'll see like probably like five to 10 screens a game when, it, when you look at this. I'm worried about not so much if the linebackers and defensive backs can get to Kelsey in those air, in those situations and, and the running backs, because I think you see, and I've been surprised with TJ Edwards, and I've been surprised, and Kaiser White, though, had a speed, but I've been surprised with TJ Edwards and how well. He's been able to go to the flat area and stop that. I was more, I'm more worried about the tackling. I, I think that's it, especially after seeing that Christian McCaffrey run in the NFC Championship game. Like, yeah, you know, and, and you know how aggressive Kelsey can be when he's running after the catch. So you can use some as many tackling donuts as you can. You can try to use that, but nothing beats the full speed of, of a guy, a talented guy like that. So. I think they I think the defenders have that in the back of their mind, especially after what happened last sun, uh, two Sundays ago, or at least when they came to the NFC Championship game. That's if, if there's one thing that I'm really worried about is that because I so like I said I mentioned earlier, there's gonna be a lot of short passes in that game just to try to protect Mahomes and to try to slow down and and use the Eagles pass rush against them. So I'm really worried about how well these guys are gonna be able to wrap up. And I think that's for me, that's the biggest key on the defense. You can you can try. You can basically make Mahomes march methodically, go down the field, and try to use a slow game and try to stop him on third downs. But none of that's going to matter if you keep on giving up. If they're able to break tackles and, and getting the extra yards and sustain drives. To your point about tackling, Chris, um, the Chiefs. You know they aren't one. They aren't one of the better tackling teams either. Um, you know they're one of the lesser teams when it comes to stopping a run. I believe they're ranked 
maybe 17th or maybe 18th. Actually, I think they're ranked in the 20s when it comes to uh, stopping a run. If, if I'm not, I might be wrong, actually. But um, the bottom line is their run defense is Patrick Mahomes scoring a lot of points and then they keep you from running the ball. That's their real run defense, right? Um, but they are one of the lesser teams uh, on third down, right? And the Eagles do a pretty good job of keeping things at second and third and manageable, right? Um, I'm of the mindset is uh, I'm of the mindset if the Eagles find themselves in a lot of second and five, second and four, second and three situations, this game is going to this game is going to get out of reach really quickly for the Chiefs. You know what say you about that notion? Yeah, and I think this is a one thing where you I think this is a game because of that. I think that's where you really need Avante Maddox because not so much of just his covering in, in the slot and covering those areas. I like the way he was able to blitz off the edge. And you're not going to blitz – you're not going to use him on the blitz every single time when it comes to that. But I think that factor of the surprise where, you know what, if you pick your spots right and you try – and you use it effectively, you can get them in the second and longs and really throw off the timing of that rhythm that that Chiefs offense can get to when they're really humming. So I wouldn't be surprised if Jonathan Gannon uses a blitz in which he's done it a little bit more, like – like even in the regular season, like the Eagles were in the middle of a pack. They weren't completely like in the, in the bottom third, but they were in the middle of a pack when they came to the number of total blitzes. And we started seeing during this playoffs, they've used it a little bit more and more and more. I want to see that version of Gannon starting to come back where he does utilize that to try to basically force the issue and not just say back and go, okay, well, we got a good thing here. Oh, yeah, here's here's the middle field. Here's seven. Here's six. Here's six. Oh, you guys want to run draw play? Okay, here's another six. And you just see it go so quickly. So I think that's going to be the – I want to really want to see Gannon use that as aggressive blitz way, blitz way, so that way it doesn't go off. That basically you're not sitting there going, "Well, we know Mahomes is going to get his tonight. Let's, let's see if the uh, offense really gets going." Now. But Chris, doesn't Mahomes kill the blitz normally? No, yeah, no, he does. But I think when you look at it, if you play it the right play it the right way, even if he he's Patrick Will, I think you can still get him in those situations. I think he still gets it. Like even quarterback, no matter what, you can. And a lot of times you see him do those when he sees a blitz, he. He may try to roll out and, and go backside and then try to just flip it, do some weird flip to his running back. But even if you still do that, you're still getting him on and, and still trying to throw him off. And he's going to be really limited with that ankle. I think even he was not going to be running 20 yards, scampering downfield, but I think he's going to be limited enough with that ankle. And I think that on the backside, you have a, one of the better secondaries that can be able to limit him so you can take those chances when you have that. I'm with Tone on this one. Uh, Jonathan be Jonathan <laughs> this week. Don't blitz Patrick Mahomes. That's, that's, that's playing into his hand. Uh, but that's just me. All right, I'm going to give you two stats here and give credit to those who I saw put them out. I need you to uh, respond to both. Uh, for uh, Boop stats on one and our buddy Ruben Frank on the other. 112 teams have played in the Super Bowl. Chris Franklin, 56 times two is 112. Out of those 112 teams, how many have gone through their playoff run, including the Super Bowl, and not turned the football over? Hmm. I'm going to go. You say have played, have won, have won the Super Bowl and not turned the ball over? Well, made it to the Super Bowl. Played, won, won their way into the Super Bowl and had played in the Super Bowl. So 112 teams have uh, gotten there uh, to a, a winner and a loser. So we'll count all of them 112 times. How many teams have made it through that run and not turned the ball over once? I'm going to just – I'm going to go – I'm going to say six. Something like that. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I've been calling. I ran it by somebody else who was always oh, bro yesterday uh, from Best Show Ever. And they both said 10. 
Oh, the correct man. answer is zero. Oh. No team has ever gotten to the Super Bowl and play and made their playoff run and not turned it over. Oh, by the way, the Philadelphia Eagles have not turned the ball over yet. There's playoff run. So if they don't turn it over in the Super Bowl, they'll be the first team to ever do so. So uh, easy enough. Don't turn it over. <laughs> uh, and oh, by the way, Hertz has only thrown six picks all year. Mahomes has thrown 12. So that's easy enough. But here's the other one. The Philadelphia Eagles have played in three Super Bowls. This will be their fourth. Um, and in those Super Bowls, how many interceptions do the Philadelphia Eagles have? All right. I think I'll go two. Yeah, I'm going to say zero. Yeah, that also would be zero. They do not have an an interception in any of their three Super Bowls, and they are the only team in the history of National Football League that have played in at least two and don't have a pick. They're 0 for 3. So the Eagles need an interception this week, and interception turnovers could very well be the key to this game. Which Philadelphia Eagle is most likely to get that much-needed INT? I'm going to you got to stick with C.J. Gardner-Johnson. Because I think if you if they play a zone, and even if they do some other things, if the passer gets home, he's just shown a knack to jump the routes. Like he just it's, it's something instinctual with which that with that transition of him going to safety, you think like, wow, all right, cool. Like like you see the way he's just been able to go back and he reads that he reads he's get the help from underneath when it comes to those quarters, and he just sees what's going to happen. He picks a spot, and he goes that way. So I think he of all people might be the one to do that. And you start to look, I think the other guy I started to think for is Bradbury. But I'll probably go CJ Gardner Josh will be the my top pick to get one and then and then see and James Bradbury, maybe something late, and then all of a sudden next thing you know, that skyrockets him his contract even more, try to reslide him. So it's gonna be crazy on that one too. But I, I think CJ's gonna be the one. You know, um along with the uh zero uh, interception stat, McMullen said something yesterday that was pretty interesting. He said the Philadelphia Eagles have not turned the ball over all year. In 12 personnel. Every time they've been in 12 personnel, <laughs> they have protected the ball. And they're in 12 personnel, uh, 12 personnel, uh, a fairly good amount, right? Obviously, two tight ends, uh, one running back. But, you know, what is it about that formation that allows the Philadelphia Eagles to be so formidable in not just the pass game, but also in the run game? Is it the deception? Is it just you don't know what they're going to do? What is it about 12 personnel that allows this team to be so effective? Well, I think you have when you look at that. I think you have three legit receiving options in AJ Brown, Devonta Smith, and Dallas Goddard that you have to really worry about. And then if you run a pass off of that, you have Jack Stoll, who's a decent blocker, to go ahead and still able to do that stuff. And then when they actually really do run the ball on those things, you have got those guys on the outside when when they're basically blocking. I mean, I think Devonta Smith. You look at his slim frame. I think he's one of the better blocking wide starting blocking wide receivers that are out there. You got. Goddard, who's a decent blocker in himself, along with Stoll, and then you got to honor the Eagles' run game. So it puts defenses in a really, really tough bind because you've seen the successful run game that they have, and when you run the play action off of that, and then you have to cover those guys downfield because the line, the linebackers, and the second, second, the rest of the secondary safeties are already taking two or three steps in because they believe it's going to be a run play, and then you know, they oh bleep, you know they're going to start to run back this way. Let's get back into fast coverage. That opens things up when it comes to that over as well too. So I think that's where you start to see the. Uh, that's, that's one reason why I think the 12 personnel has had success this year. All right, T. Franklin, we need you on the record. Eagles versus Chiefs, they'll kick it off at 630. Uh, you're going to start writing at about 925. The game story you got to put together. You're going to have to wait till the game is over. 
How close is it going to be? Who will end up with more points? Give us your pick on Super Bowl 57. Are you guys doing anything probably next Thursday? Oh, we're, we're, we're planning on being here Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Bird 365 isn't going anywhere just because the Eagles season is over. Are you guys not going to, you're not going to be at a parade? Parade is not going to start before 10 o'clock in the morning. Uh, worst case scenario, we'll be here and drive quickly into Philadelphia thereafter. So uh, right, no, we will be on all days next week. I'm pretty damn sure. All right, cool. Well, I'll say get your get ready. But I think the Eagles are going to win this game. I'm going to go something along the lines of 33-27, and it's going to be a couple. Both I wouldn't be surprised if we see both teams moving in between the twenties, and it's going to be a matter of who t- converts into touchdowns versus field goals. So I think 33-27, and then the Eagles are get their second Lombardi Trophy. 33-27, we like it. Chris like Franklin, uh, appreciate you. You don't know how much because you have been not only. Uh, a continued contributor, but a loyal and got up with us and got up early out there in Arizona today. <laughs> so we thank you much. Please read them, nj.com. Follow them on Twitter. Uh, C. Franklin, what's your Twitter handle again? Uh, C. Franklin News. News. I thought I was going to say football. My bad. <laughs> C. Franklin News on Twitter as well. <laughs> Christopher, uh, feel free to smack McMullen upside the head when he gets there. Um, appreciate you jumping in with us this morning. Also, no. make sure, Chris, also make sure he doesn't spill his coffee. Yeah, he can't, he can't do – you cannot do that, especially this week in the box. Cannot do that at all. No, 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 no. This, this is the pinnacle of the press box level. No, 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 no. You can't, right. you can't report it. You can't do that. Nah. Not, not only the championship <laughs> of football, championship football coverage. So yep. tell McMullen no turnovers, no spilling of the coffee, none of that. Keep him on the top of his game. <laughs> we'll do. I'll make sure. Thanks, Chris. That's Chris no Franklin from NJ.com here with us on Birds. 365. All right, Chris said uh, 33-27. Mm-hmm. Johnny Mack yesterday said 31-27 Eagles. When we come back, I'll give you my official prediction on the game. Tom will give you his official prediction on the game. Uh, keep it right here as we put a bow on the show leading up to Super Bowl 57 on Birds 365. Show with Seth Joyner. I knew that they had a running game. Derek Gunn. He has put in the effort. Devin Caney. Had we not won the Super Bowl, what would we be saying? And Mike Missanelli. Well, you know how Philly is. Post game, now streaming on the 6ABC family of apps. Why do millions of people every year from around the world visit Philly's Rocky statue? You want to tell me the sky is burgundy with green stripes and yellow polka dots? I'll meet you on that. But you're never going to convince me Rocky is anything other than the pure greatness that it is. Never going to happen. Join me, Paul Farber, for WHYY's The Statue. We're going on a journey to explore the biography of the Rocky statue. Find us wherever you get your podcasts. We'll
field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Hi, I'm Jim Muehlbronner, Managing Partner at DelVal Insurance Group. Give us a call. We're a local, knowledgeable agency, not an 800 number. Go Birds! you being here on birds 365 on the friday before the big game that would be super bowl 57 between the eagles and the chiefs uh and oh by the way you should be here sunday with the pre-game stuff and then the post-game show johnny mack is out there so he'll be part of it live from the stadium you want to catch all your eagles coverage right here on the jacob media youtube channel uh should be fun uh tone are you working sunday i'm guessing they're working oh, you yeah. you're gonna be on uh Show duty all weekend here on uh, Jacob, right? Yes, sir. Can't stop, won't stop, baby. All right. Uh, fair enough. I won't be back till Monday because, believe it or not, I, I mentioned this on other broadcast outlets I have. I'll be on the air while the Super Bowl is being played. For the third consecutive year, I drew the short straw on CBS Sports Radio. Awesome. I used to have an earlier show during the day on Sunday. It was great. I would be on until 6 o'clock. The Super Bowl kicks off at 6.30. Perfect. I get off the egg and just start immediately watching and or um, taking in uh, the activities. Now I'm on the air during the same exact time. So if you want, if you need somebody to just vent to if it's not going well or celebrate with if it's going well, feel free to find me on CBS. Are you going to have the TV on mute right next to you, Awesome? Oh, I've got a 60-inch flat screen right to my right, which I'm (laughs) watching. I cannot describe the plays immediately when they happen, but a short time thereafter I can. I can't be doing play-by-play. Because they pay a lot for those rights. Yeah, that's, a, just that's a different check. That's a, that's a different I will memo. be recapping everything <laughs> that happens with the good people and give you a chance to sound off. You want to check in with me on uh, CBS Sports Radio. Sounds good to that me. should be fun. But, you know, you're going to have your pregame show here and your postgame show here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Uh, all right. Uh, before I make my pick on the game, I want to annoy one of our loyal streamers. Uh-oh. Uh, that will be Dominic Dabney. Oh, that's your favorite guy, man. That's your, that's, that's your boy. Unquestioned largest uh, Jaquan Jarrett fan in the Delaware Valley. I hope Jaquan, by the way, enjoys the game. And Jaquiski uh, Tart. Can't forget him either. Jaquiski Tart. That's who I meant. Um, oh, by the way, uh, he's not going to be playing. And it's a good thing that the Eagles didn't keep Jaquiski Tart because that means they probably wouldn't have CJ Gardner Johnson. But uh, thanks to uh, Dominique for checking in and Again, noting the hat that I'm wearing, which was a gift from my daughter. She said, uh, you guys, most of you probably know I had uh, surgery uh, on the top of my noggin to get some cancer out of there uh, last month. So uh, that's why I'm wearing a hat every single day. Um, And yes, my daughter said, you're going to wear a hat. Let me get you an Eagles hat. Okay, fine. So I wear the Eagles hat. Yes, I'm a Jet fan in the AFC. I'm an Eagle fan in the NFC. Uh, Johnny Mack tried to tell me last week, you can't do that. You, you, you need to be a fan of what 
and yet Johnny Mac's a fan of no team. But okay, I digress. Right, exactly. Um, I think you can be an AFC NFC fan. Uh, so yes, I'm wearing an Eagles hat. I'm even wearing an Eagles shirt. Okay. My wife got okay, me this Jody. shirt yesterday. Conference I like that. Champion. I need that. You got Kelsey, you got Jalen, you got uh, your two wide receivers there, AJ and Devontae. Yes, so I got an Eagles shirt and an Eagles hat. If that annoys some of our diehard Eagle fan listeners, I'm rooting for the Eagles. Sorry about that. If that annoys you, and I'm picking the Eagles. I think well, Eagles going to win the game. Mac, I feel you on that, man. But listen, man, if we're showing our merch, you know, shout out to my man, Lord Brunson. He's an Eagles content creator on YouTube, Hurt Season. You know what I mean? He came up with these things, and A.J. Brown actually showed him a lot of love and uh, bought one of nice. these from him, and uh, he wore it on, uh, I think it was the opening uh, photo shoot for, you know, for the players, you know, at the beginning of the year. So shout out to my man, Very Laura nice. Brunson, who, who who came out with the Hurt Season hats, man. He's doing a good job. That's a good-looking hat. Um, all right, I'm, I'm picking the Eagles to win. Again, uh, I apologize to the Eagle fans who don't think that I should either be picking or rooting for. Just let it be on record that Someone picked the Eagles to be in the Super Bowl before the year started. That would be me. Not many other media members here in the Delaware Valley picked the Eagles to be in the Super Bowl before the year started. I did. And I didn't pick the Eagles to win because I didn't pick anybody to win. I told you. I bet the Dolphins to beat the Eagles and the Eagles to beat the Dolphins. I bet both. So I lost out because the Dolphins didn't even get there. But I also bet... The Dolphins to win the Super Bowl individually and the Eagles to win the Super Bowl individually. So I'm going to cash a 25 to 1 ticket if they win on Sunday. So, yes, I am rooting for my own personal interests. Um, I did not pick the game before the year started other than to say those two teams would be be there. I said I wait until the day of game or the weekend of the game to go ahead and pick. It's not the Dolphins. It's the Chiefs. I think Eagles are beating the Chiefs. Uh, 31 to 27 is my final score. Uh, we had uh, Johnny Mack pick a relatively high scoring game, 31 27. Um, we just had Chris Franklin on 33 27. So everybody's got the Eagles scoring 30 points in this game. I ask you, Tone to Shields, how many points are the Eagles scoring? How many points are the Kansas City Chiefs scoring? Mac, man. I have the Philadelphia Eagles winning this game 34 to 24. So here's so here's how it's going to be laid out here really quickly. I think the Eagles are going to have a touchdown lead in the fourth quarter. The Chiefs are going to get the Chiefs are going to have a three and out. And then the Eagles are going to kick a field goal to make it a double digit score. And then the Chiefs are going to have maybe three minutes, maybe two minutes to try to make magic happen. But they won't be able to. They're going to stop magic Mahomes. They're going to Eagle stop Magic D Mahomes. Just, uh, stops them with three minutes to go. Hey, man. 34-24. I'm locking it in. I'm sticking to it, Mac, man. Write it and, down. And Book the, it. Gan the Gannon haters will say, he gave up 24 points rather than <laughs> he stopped Mahomes when he needed to stop Mahomes in the last three minutes. Oh, I guarantee you we get that uh, uh, contribution on our screen here. Again, uh, today is the end of the regular season for the Eagles, but it's not the end of 365. Uh, John will be live from Arizona, or at least that's what we're leaning toward right now. J-Mac will be back with me on Monday. Tuesday, he might be in transit coming back. This is not official, and it's not going to become official till after the game is over and done with and played because Philadelphia is smart enough not to release details as to when the parade's going to be. If there's going to be a parade, 
but I'm telling you right now, it's going to be Wednesday. There if, will be. if the Eagles do win, I'm predicting Wednesday, the day for the parade, uh, we'll certainly be on on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. We'd go here every single day on Birds 365. Uh, let me thank Tone DeShields. Did an outstanding job filling in for Johnny Mac today. Enjoy the game, everybody. Go Birds. We'll be back here Monday here on Birds 365. You've been listening to Birds 365, the destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.